You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 66. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today's guest is Morten Dilling. Morten is the owner of the company Dilling based in Denmark. Dilling manufactures and sells underwear with a large focus on organic, including organic wool. I look forward to talking to Morten Dilling today. Morten, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Isbeth. This is Morten. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I would like to get us started by you telling us a little bit about yourself and also talk about Dilling, please. Yeah, I would like to do this. I am, as you said, Morten Dilling. I'm 36 and fourth generation in the, in the company behind the Dilling Underwear. Uh, it was founded in 1916 uh, by my old uh, or grand-grand old father. And then uh, my grandfather took over, my father, and then me. And we are um, a production company that uh, has our own uh, dye house. I own a dyeing company in Denmark. This is very special um, because a lot of uh, dyeing companies in Denmark closed down and moved to either East Europe or Far East. But uh, due to uh, some environmental um, issues, we decided to stay in Denmark so that we can make very clean production. And then we have our um, sew, uh, cutting and sewing facilities in uh, Lithuania, also within the EU. And um, with this setup, this production setup, we have a quite uh, expensive setup um, production-wise. And therefore, we have decided to found a new brand called Dealing. This is not so new anymore, but we founded it in 2009, where we, uh, as manufacturer, Uh, sell only to the end consumers, no uh, no uh, shops in between, so only online we sell. And um, it seems to be a, a quite good way uh, for us to run the business. So uh, I'm the owner today, 100% of, uh, of uh, the companies that we have. It's the Dye House, as I told about, the sewing facilities in Lithuania and the development company um, Dilling here in Herning, Denmark, where I sit now. And uh, I'm the CEO also of the company, so there are a few things to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. Well, congratulations. So you just celebrated 100 years last year, as if yeah. I understand correctly. And if I also understand what you're saying, you actually turned the company into a very vertical manufacturing company, doing everything up and to selling the, directly to the consumer. So maybe yeah. take us back also 100 years yeah. of um, how was... Dilling founded and why was it founded and yeah. then maybe you can also tell us why how did the company then change over time to what it is today as you already touched upon yeah i would like to do this uh, it's so that my grand uh, grandfather he founded as i said in 1916 so that's 101 years ago now um We had some uh, some sheep walking around in our area of uh, Jutland, uh, in Denmark. Where I sit today is very flat and there's not much nice things giving from the nature. So there was a lot of sheep walking around and um, some men uh, in our area of, of Herning uh, found out that they could uh, make wool underwear out of the sheep or the wool from the sheep. 
and they started to do that uh, the production they took care of themselves and then they had a um, a bag on their on their back and they walked around from door to door to all the farmers in this area and sold the products at that time so they uh, in our case it was my grand grandfather and my grand grandmother she was uh, doing the production at home and then he walked out and sold the products to all the farmers it was um, wool from these sheep walking around in our own uh, area here and very itchy uh, fabrics we made at that time and, and yeah, in was... many ways <laughs> not very nice compared to what we do today so so it started like that that we uh, we could f- we, we realized that the function of wool was very good to give uh, heat to uh, to the farmers in this area um, then it was in the middle of the first world war and we uh, we worked my my, my grand grandfather and, and then many years later in the second world war in in 43 uh, my my grandfather took over and he uh, started uh, to uh, to work with the cotton underwear as well um, we were part of this uh, post um, post second world war where we get some support from the marshal help from the usa we got new machinery and things and so he could start also to do cotton underwear um, and he did that uh, for many years. My father took over in, in 1968. That's many years ago also already. And he um, he ran the business. It was not a very successful business. At one time, he had one employee and said to my father, you seem to be a nice guy, but I'm here alone all the day producing while you're out selling, so I want to quit my job. And then he was alone. My father with the company had to do the production himself. And uh, but he was doing better and better, and uh, he realized at some point that he did not want to sell to small shops because there was a lot of things, a lot of salesmen he had to employ to to take care of all the small shops, and sometimes they could not pay. So he decided that he wanted to only be the only salesman in the company, and he would be the best manufacturer of underwear in uh, in Denmark. And if he thought, if I'm the best manufacturer, then I can sell uh, to big consumers. And when I say big consumers or customers, sorry, that could be chains, um, yeah, department stores and things like that, where you can sell to actually one person and then you can distribute your products out to maybe 80 or 70 shops. So uh, for many years, he had a success uh, by running the business like that. And, um, and then in the... In the how do you say in the 2000 and zeros or between 2000 and 2010, we, we started to realize that this setup we have with production in Denmark and in Lithuania uh, was more expensive, and we could feel the competition from uh, Far East production because they are also very good at producing it uh, in these countries. We wanted to make it extremely environmental friendly our production. Um, and very easy it is to communicate that we do organic cotton or organic wool underwear. But what is not so uh, easy to communicate is the thing we do in the dye house. That means the, the, the chemicals uh, and the colors we use, they have to be very clean and also the, the, the setup in Denmark. So, so we felt uh, that it was expe- difficult for us to sell a product that was a few... Um, few cents uh, more expensive compared to our competitors and therefore we decided that has been our dream from the beginning it is we are the manufacturer and we want to send uh, the garments to uh, in germany mr and mrs muller or whatever country it is the the, the consumers in this country and, and therefore we started with dealing a lot of people said it will never work you have to 
be in ordinary shops because online it will take too long to get some quantities on this. But um, there is in the market today what we feel we are in five countries today, Germany, Denmark, Holland, Sweden and Finland. There is a big uh, request for um, not only organic products but also when sustainability uh, that, that we can really document that we do also the dye process in a very in a very sustainable way. Wow. So that, yeah. yeah, that's a little bit about the company. I hope yeah, you're still what, No, what an amazing history. And I love how how all four generations are real entrepreneurs and they just didn't give up. They just kept changing the business model until it worked again. So yeah. I think that's amazing. And how did you decide? Was it always clear for you to also work for Dilling or create, you know, the updated version in 2009? Or how did you decide to yeah. follow the, yeah. the lead? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest of, uh, we have four children and I have three uh, sisters uh, older than me. And since I was born, a lot of people said, more than you, uh, you have one day to take over this company. And of course, when I was a child, I was smiling and said, yes, probably I will one day. But I felt that, no, it was not for me. I think it was a big responsibility. We are 260 people and and my father's extremely passionate about the production, about the dye house, the, the cutting, the stewing. He can do, as I said, he was alone, so he can do all the functions himself. And I'm just so sorry, but I did not get this with me. I cannot do the stewing. I cannot do all these things. And I, I don't have the same passion for this production as he has. So what I was more interested in and I am interested is I moved to Germany in 2002 and lived in Munich. Uh, I was selling in, a, in, a, in an ordinary retail shop and I found this extremely, this contact between, uh, the, the, with the customers, I've always found very interesting. So I worked after Munich in, in Copenhagen for a big Danish uh, um, retail uh, clothing company. And, uh, and so with this production uh, setup we had, I was not so interested. It was first when we began to discuss in the board, I have been part of the board in this company for many years, that we wanted to sell directly to the end consumers. Then I could see that some of my uh, interests and maybe also skills, they could come into action. Uh, and and, and we, so, so, this, so still we have extremely uh, passionate and good people in our production and we care a lot about these pr uh, persons and I have a fantastic cooperation with them because they do a great job. But Vita in Lithuania is fantastic with our students. You know everything about our company there. So so I'm more her, of course, her um, superior, but also I, I talk a lot with her, but but I know she has the skills in the suing. Another person, Bierde, has the skills in the dye house. So, so we have very dedicated people in these areas. And then I focus a lot on, on what I try to do best and, and customer service and and the thing that our customers should have a good feeling and a good experience with the, not only when they like the quality, that's that's a basic. We feel that we have done underwear for 100 years. That's not something we feel. We know this, but also that we are quite good at doing underwear. So so what we try then to add on is this customer service that we not only say that we want to do great customer service, but really uh, do our utmost to win customers. They want to give us some of their time some of the also money when they buy the, our things, we need to take them extremely serious. That means to to answer them on email and their calls. And, and it seems very simple, but 
but uh, I think both you and me and we all know experiences where we have had a very bad customer service experience where a bigger company maybe do not take us serious because we are small comp- uh, small customer. So, so the customer service means a lot also in, in this company when we do so much uh, online business as we do. Yes, and I, c- I already tested your customer service. I bought twice from you and it went all smoothly. So oh, I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, this. I did it's the not, test. It's not, it's not that we don't make mistakes and it's not... In, in Germany, we outsource it to, to another company and actually we have had a few problems because we, we have been so lucky. We have sold a little bit more than we expected and then there were many... In many cases, then they were a little bit delayed in the re- in the reply time. So it's not because we don't make mistakes, but but we uh, this is it concerns me a lot. Those are those are the challenges of success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so you already mentioned the markets that you're in. You're in Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, yeah. and the Netherlands. The Netherlands, yeah. And you, you already mentioned quickly that those markets are very, they fit well with you because they are also focused on organic. Can you explore that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, it is so our first country was Germany. And as I said, I, I lived in Munich uh, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And in some, I, I'm extremely fascinated about Germany. Uh, this big uh, machine, in a way, extremely many people and very good at work. And I like the language. I, I like Germany a lot. And and I knew that in 2009, when I started to analyze, uh, should we start in, in the North Germany? Because Denmark is close to Flensburg and North Germany. Or, or would it be as easy for us to start in Munich or Stuttgart, whatever. And I found out if you have to send an article from, from Denmark to, to Flensburg or to Munich, it will take only a little bit time longer, maybe half a day, not more. So we don't necessarily have to go into Germany uh, via uh, Flensburg. It could also, uh, for an example, be Munich or another place. So I started to look at Germany. Are there uh, areas in Germany where they are more likely to be uh, happy for organic uh, products as we have? And what I found out in this process is that at that time there were five to six million lohas in Germany. Lohas is a life of, of health and sustainability. Um, and that's and, and it's not always that people that know they are what you can call a lohas, but they live. They not only want to eat organic. They 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 live in a way where they where they they think. Uh, sustainability into their life and in, in the garments they wear in the things they eat in the car they drive etc um, and and five to six million is uh, of these lohas in germany that's the same as the completely population of denmark so i could see that that what we really try to do unique with this environmental friendly production there is a market for that in germany and then in this analyze we found out that freiburg in Breisgau in the very southwest part of Germany between Germany in Germany and between France and, and Switzerland there was uh, what you call Biohabstadt Deutschland also organic uh, capital of Germany mm-hmm. so we placed our customer service office in, in Germany and then we started uh, from out there but then I, I realized when you sell online um, 
I don't think it may be so important that we have an office in Freiburg because we can also see, for example, in, in the big cities, Berlin, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, München and so, there we have a lot of our customers are coming from these areas. And, um, and, and I also thought in the beginning that we should stay in Germany because there are 83, 84 million people in, in Germany and we are only 260. So if you could convince every German person to buy our underwear, that's the fortunate thing for us. Everyone, as far as I know, is wearing underwear. So, so, and so let's focus on Germany. Um, and so I had no plans to extend, but then we felt we missed to get some attention because of course we were only online and it took some time to to get this project really rolling. So we wanted to find an ambassador for our brand, a, a famous guy. And, and we had a Danish guy who was a famous handball player in the North Germany uh, party, who was called Lars Christiansen. Uh, and I later found out that only a very uh, few persons in Germany knew this guy, but, but he became our ambassador. And in Denmark, he's very known as well. So I thought, okay, I had the, uh, the state only to be in Germany, but now we have this ambassador. He is extremely popular in Denmark as well. So let's try to start in Denmark. And we had a very good start in, in our home market. And and then I got some uh, some more self-confidence and thought, if it's so easy to start up a new country, then uh, then we have to start in more countries. And, and uh, then we started in uh, Holland, uh, also very big uh, organic focus in Holland. We had a person moving to Holland, it's more easy when we have a person in the market who knows a little bit about the social media and all the marketing channels we use. And, um, and then we worked a bit with the North countries as well, uh, Sweden and Finland, because also both of the organic uh, tendencies that we see in this society, but also because it's the, we have the weather conditions with us. It's wool is fantastic all year round. But many persons, they have this feeling that if it's cold, then wool is uh, maybe even better to use. And of course, we there are some fantastic uh, functions in terms of uh, regulate the, the body temperature with wool. So in Sweden and Finland, it works fine as well. <laughs> Excellent. And how long would you say did it take you from 2009 when you started in Germany, where you then felt comfortable and saying now we actually established ourselves in the market? How long it took until until we found out it works? Or yeah, yeah. yeah it. it uh, I remember the the first I was at some point in 2000. We we, we launched the shop in 2010. I started in 2009, uh, analyzing and things. And and then I remember at some time at some point in the autumn of 2010, I, I was on a vacation. I, I took the the time to do this, and and I think. Within one week, we had uh, two two days with one order, so so it was a good day in my vacation when when we had an order. It did not come every day, so and but so it was very slowly in the beginning, and I was very lucky that I had my own production because you cannot start with such low quantities. We we produced ten pieces of one style, one color, in one size. It's it's very low quantities, um, but we we could do this because we wanted to do this, and then we could see that. Slowly, we got more and more orders, and and so we had the hope, and I think this is important when you can see something is maybe not working 100%, but you can see it's it's getting a little bit better every time you uh, every day, more or less. So we had a hope for this, and we had of course all the our traditional company with our sales to department stores. We kept on doing that as good as we could, 
we did not earn a lot of money on that. Of course, we need in a way to earn money and we had problems because of our expensive production setup. So we could just see we need to keep this alive until uh, the day dealing will um, with this new concept would work for us. And and for many years now, uh, and, and we are so extremely lucky, And uh, but we have been able to double our sales uh, with this concept. And of course, in the first year when we were small, it was uh, lower numbers and now we are getting a little bit bigger machine and we can still have an extremely um, increasement in our sale. And um, and it works the way that, that I felt the first 10 customers we would win in Germany, they were the most difficult ones to win. And when we have 10 customers, we have 10 customers that we can work with. We can maybe, if we can just make three of them ambassadors in a way for us, if you could make them be happy for our products, maybe sell a little bit to to family members or to friends about dealing. I know maybe underwear is a, a little bit difficult topic to talk about, but we we, we try to give them some um, some reasons to 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 tell a little bit about us, give them a little bit discount if they could tell about us, and then we have been able to a little bit this uh, mouth to mouth uh, method that people they uh, they say they have a good experience, and then maybe some of their friends they want to try it as well. So still. In Denmark uh, and and also of course in Germany, so many people there are so many that don't know about dealing yet. But so I think still we have potential to do um, to do much better. But it it goes it goes in the right uh, direction. <laughs> yes, for sure. I, and I wish you lots of success. And I have another question because I, I was wondering. So you have these five markets, but I also saw that you actually have five different websites and also five different Facebook accounts. Did yeah. you decide, like, what made you decide to run this very localized strategy? Yeah, it has been very important for me from the beginning that we would have an office in Germany. When we, I just mentioned Germany because it was the first market. We could have, we could have had the customer service in Denmark. And, and maybe in the beginning, I could have spoken to German customers. They would easily hear that I was not German. Um, and, and for me, it has been important that we, it's not because we are afraid to say we are from Denmark, but we want to be professional. And we want, we, we want if we are so lucky that, uh, uh, now I just say, for an example, an old uh, woman from Germany with an accent from the South Germany, from Bayern, if she calls us, I, I would be very sorry if you would not be able to help her because we only knew our school German from Denmark and could speak this, uh, what you call Hochdeutsch, this uh, traditional mm -hmm. German. So so it's not because that I'm afraid of saying that we're Danish or it's not because that I don't know that a lot of people speak English, but it's because I want uh, the customers who want us in Germany, they should be able also to, to follow us. And in, in Germany, the language is German and there we speak German. And and uh, and I know everything is modern today, and, and you and I we talk in English today, and many people they they find it very natural. Um, our prime prime minister in Denmark uh, he said uh, that that for very educated people it's it's just fantastic with all this globalization because you can you can do so many fantastic things with your job. It's so easy to talk; everyone can speak English and etc. But he, he also knows that there is a big group of people uh, where this thing to read and talk and learn is not so easy as it is for, for other people. So 
Yeah. So it is uh, for me. It's important that we are for we are for the people. We are we are for everyone in Germany and Holland, and therefore we are not English. Okay, thank you for, for explaining your strategy. And I also found it interesting on your website that you really explain the whole supply chain. You even talk about topics like weaning of lambs and castration and the use of chemicals in your dye house, etc. Um, did you also experience that you got a lot of inquiries from consumers about these topics? And is that something also you think more consumers would want to know about in the future? Yeah, it's we get we get questions about these things, and uh, um, today if today we get maybe one thousand orders every day, and. And then we get one question about these topics every 14 days or every month. I don't know how often. So it's it's not many questions, but we get some questions. And what we experience is that the more honest we are and um, and the more knowledge we have on this area, uh, the better it is. And, and I'm always thinking if one customer would ask this question, maybe other ones that did not take that time to call us or to write us an email, maybe they would have the so same thought. So we try uh, in our website to be very informative. I still think we uh, we have some much very good knowledge about production and how we do things. I think it interests people a lot. Also with wool underwear because we have with animals to do, and also therefore um, it's been uh, important to to know as much as we can to visit uh, Argentina and, and these things. So so. We don't get questions about it every day, but we get we get some questions about it. And uh, what we hear is that people are are happy to come to our website. And and I think it, it is in the time today that 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 people they there are more and more people who are curious about how how are their production because there are a lot of people that hear about textile industry that there are many problems with that. There's a lot of um, yeah, as I say, bad chemicals, colors. There's a bad, a lot of bad uh, uh, mulesing, uh, for example, for for wool, uh, for sheep. Uh, customers they don't they don't know if mulesing can also happen in South America or, or Argentina or New Zealand, where there's also merino sheep. So, so more and more people I think are interested in knowing uh, how things are work, and I think we don't have anything to to hide. We try to be as honest as we can, and I think. Uh, in the end, customers will, uh, they like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned Argentina because you actually source organic wool from Argentina. And I saw you even mention where you buy it from. You um, So you're being really open with what yeah. you do. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing is you explain the different eco-labels and you even, if I understood correctly, Uh, have created your own organic label. Tell us why you did that. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we have we have made our bio bio label organic label ourselves, and that's we uh, we have not the feeling, but but it's so difficult for consumers today to know what is the difference between Ecotex and TOTS and. Uh, we have a, the EU label in Europe. In in the North part here, we have the Nordic Eco label. What is the what is the difference between all these labels? And 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 people, customers, they cannot know that, or they could if they wanted to study it. But but 
this is not normal that you do this because you have your own, um, maybe a person is working with some completely other thing. Maybe he's a lawyer and he's concentrating on that. He's not concentrating on, on textile. But but we know because we work with that, there's a big difference between these um, the standards that they put up, these uh, different uh, certificates. And therefore, we try to make this guide and then we try to order them to find the most ambitious uh, one and try to give it stars. How, what, um, what requirements do they have for organic production? What requirements do they have for colors and chemicals in the dye process, um, and etc. And and then we also realize that even the most ambitious uh, of these um, uh, certificates, we don't find them ambitious enough. Um, we have felt that the Nordic Eco Label was the most ambitious one, and then I realized we were, as a company, we were the only one that could fulfill their their standards. And it was a problem for them because every time we sell a product with this Nordic Eco Label, we have to pay them uh, a little bit money. And if it was only us that could uh, live up to their criteria, then they would not get a lot of uh, money into them, and they have to finance themselves. And I could feel that when I talked to them, that they want to sell more and more uh, products, more, more and more, um, they want more companies to have this. And I think, how, how, how do this thing that you want to sell more, how does that correspond to that you also, a standard customers, they have expectations to that you put up some standards. And then he said, it's not a problem because the guys in, in the Nordic Equilibrium who takes care of the standards, they're much more strong than the ones who take care of the of the sales of this uh, of this certificate, but it ended up by that the Nordic Eco label they reduced the the, the requirements for organic raw materials from hundred percent to only ten percent, and it, by reducing from hundred percent raw uh, raw material in organic to only ten, much more companies could fulfill the the standards, and we were just a little bit sorry for that that uh, we, we think that they reduce, it's too easy to get many of these uh, standards uh, or these uh, certificates. Yeah, and therefore we have tried in, mm. in a way to create our own, it's not an official one, but we try to say we do it in, a, in another way that is, uh, we, we have not found any company in, in the world, I would say, that are close to, uh, to have the same, the same standards as we have. There's almost not a company today, I think, especially also in for the textile that is not talking about environmental friendly production and all these things. But uh, often we feel that it's more nice marketing words than it is um, honest, uh, honest work with the with the things. Okay. So therefore, we try to do our own things. <laughs> so you're raising the standard for yourself. Yeah, okay. we try this. <laughs> And another interesting comment that I saw on your Facebook page, um, on the German one, was that um, a woman was saying that she bought products for her children and then she that made her realize that, why, that she could also try some wool underwear from Dilling for herself. Would you say that is quite a typical customer journey? Yeah, we experienced that quite a lot and we, uh, we also... Uh, We think of this way. We, we we want to make underwear for whole family. That is for yeah, babies, kids, women and men. And we have done some um, discounts, for an example, for for children. And a lot of uh, we try to make some 
so marketing in kindergartens and all these things and then a lot of parents they buy wool for their for their small children and if we are lucky or i would say this happened quite often we are very happy for this that parents are getting uh, very happy for the underwear they buy for the children and then of course we give them a brochure also when they get the garments for the children that they can also buy some nice things for this for themselves and so so it is a typical way for us to either that that they first buy for their children and then after for themselves or the opposite way that they try maybe for themselves first maybe because they have an active uh, life outside hiking or yeah maybe they all they they only feel that it's cold in the living room where they live and they, they, they buy some wool and then they say okay if, if they like it they could maybe also buy for the rest of the family so we try to buy or deliver offer underwear for whole family <laughs> Okay. And I also saw that you, I don't know if it's an experiment, but that you actually also sell your products on Amazon. And where do you see the benefits of selling via Amazon and not only on your own website? Yeah, it was very important for us that we are the manufacturer. We sell only to the end consumers. And if we, and not if, because we do this, when we sell on Amazon, We don't. We are not completely honest to this concept because then there is a middleman. There is Amazon between, and Amazon they they, they get a little fee. And the only way I could, uh, we have lived, we have worked with Amazon almost since the beginning because it, as I said, we we got maybe one or two orders every week, and it was too little. So I felt if Amazon is in, in some ways like uh, department stores where you can have your own corner in this department store, and there's a lot of people walking around in this department store. In a, in a city, for example. And if we have a small corner, maybe some of the customers, they will come to our place and see our products. And by adding our products to Amazon, we've, we could uh, we knew that there was a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people in there. And maybe a few of them, they will, they will stop up with dealing and try our products. And then we can send them our nice items and send them a, a brochure or two. And then we can hope that the next time will buy directly from us. And uh, and therefore we added our products to Amazon and started also slow there. We, we but we got orders and we were happy for that. And and now as it develops, um, Amazon is as you know extremely huge, big. There's uh, it's unbelievable. So so many people who are buying the things on Amazon, and. Um, And we, it's it's getting also. Uh, we can feel this that it also increasing for us, and so we are we are also investing in being on Amazon platform. Okay, so it's part of your. You have like a second leg to stand on, via the yeah. platform. And also, but I hear in, in 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 Germany and also in England. We are not in England yet. We will be uh, hopefully next year, but. I don't know if this number is correct, but I heard that that 30% of all e-commerce sale in Germany is, is is done by Amazon. They are they are extremely uh, big, and and I think and and therefore we, we need to be present also at at that place. Mm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we do that. Okay. And what about you? The different social media platforms that you use. Um, do you? see like do you see difference in the different like how are the different platforms serving you and also driving sales um to be honest uh, ex uh, exactly the social medias this is not where we are the best i would say that we really have a potential to improve in this area but we we use facebook 
um, and we there are very much difference between the different markets. We just started in Finland, and if we make a competition in Finland, there are extremely many people who want to join us. Um, and if you make a post, there's many likes, there's many things, there's much interaction between the customers. Uh, Germany has been the most difficult market for us to, um, we don't know why, but when we do something and we maybe get 100 likes or whatever in, in Denmark, we get three likes in Germany. So we have not found out how to, to work with that. So, so we work more with Facebook in the countries where it works compared to the countries where we have not really found out how to use it. But of course, we can do some targeted marketing also on, on, on Facebook. Um, Facebook knows a lot about all of us that have an account on Facebook. They know where we live and our interest and much more actually than we, than we know. Um, and therefore we can do relatively uh, targeted uh, campaigns in, in Facebook. But we don't use it so much as directly marketing channel. We, of course, we do some branding for ourselves, but, but if people, they are not if they have the right age, if they have the right, um, if they are this, what I told before, the low has the life of health and sustainability, if they have this thought in their mind, it's not sure that they want to buy products because maybe they don't like wool underwear or maybe they are not in the need of new underwear now. So, but, but, but for branding, it's, it's very good with, with Facebook and competitions and yeah, I think it's called branding that works quite well. Instagram also we use and, um, and we do that in English. That's uh, that's the platform where we work in English because we do that. One account, or actually we have two accounts now. We are trying to build some universes. Now we have this dealing outdoor for all the people who want to to be active. Uh, wool is fantastic for a ski underwear or jogging or bicycling or whatever you can do outside. So um, so we use also Instagram, and and here we can that that is a focus area for us now because we can really feel that. Especially women, a lot of there are some women women who have a lot of followers on Instagram, and they are extremely big influencers. And we are contacted by uh, several of them, and they ask if they may have some some products maybe for free, and then they will test them, and then we'll write about it on Instagram. And we feel this is a, also a very good way for us to uh, ex, to expand our or extend the knowledge that more people who know about dealing. So Instagram, we use more and more, and I think uh, we have to do it much more in the future. Also with the blogger, the blogger universe, often a blogger also have an Instagram account. And, and these bloggers, they have they have a very big, um, they can influence a lot of people. Yeah, they have a huge following. Yeah. yeah. And I guess one important marketing arm of yours is also your newsletter and because i bought from you i receive your newsletter and yeah. i i noticed that um you also then tell the consumer or your customers um about washing wool and i think you even sell also some washing liquid for wool yeah, yeah. do you find it necessary to educate your consumers about taking proper care of their wool garments very much in the way that we do organic wool, not only that we buy organic wool from Argentina, but also the one of the things um, we do very special is we can we can we can produce we can dye organic wool that has not got the superwash treatment. Superwash is just a nice word for claw treatment, uh, and most of the wool that you find on the market today, also for underwear, 
has got this uh, claw treatment. And in our organic uh, uh, ways of doing business, uh, claw treatment is not corresponding to what we want to do. Um, the thing is, if you don't give your your wool underwear the claw treatment, then you have the pure wool, you have fantastic wool, all the great things that wool can um, obtain your sweat or the water without feeling wet. Um, it can keep you warm. All these great things that the wool can, you have them 100% if you don't give it the claw treatment. If you give the superwash claw treatment, you, uh, you you put something around the wool fiber, and uh, and then you take about take away a few of the good things about the wool. But the good thing, the the positive, the reason why a lot of companies they give their wool the superwash treatment, is because of two things. Both in the dye house when they dye the wool. It's, it's not so difficult for them. It's quite easy to dye it. You, you don't have to be so careful when you work with the wool. In our case, it, this is very special that we can do this. We can, we can, we can dye wool that has not got the, 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 the claw treatment. Um, and it's very easy for us to destroy the wool because the wool is extremely weak when you have not got this, uh, this film of claw around the, around the, the wool as you give with the superwash. So it's very special that we can produce the wool without the superwash and we can dye it without destroying the wool. And that also comes when the consumer, they buy it. Normally, if you wash wool that has got the superwash treatment, there's no problem. You can wash it also on 40 degrees, nothing happens. But if customers, they wash our wool that has not got this uh, claw treatment, superwash treatment, then they simply destroy the wool. So, because it was a long experience, and I don't know if uh, if it was easy to understand, else I have to try to to restate it. But but the fact is just that our organic wool, if people they wash it on normal degrees or without the wool soap, then they simply destroy the wool. It gets ten numbers more, and it gets very filtering, and it's it it's not nice anymore. So, and then we are sorry if if customers they destroy the wool, and we can say sorry guys, you washed it wrong. It could be that we could win uh, argumentation like this, but, but in the end, we would not have a happy customer. So therefore, we, we write it in the neck, we write it on the website, we put a special postcard when we deliver. We do a lot to say to customers, please remember to wash it on wool program with wool, uh, wool soap. Then nothing will happen. So everything will go right. Yeah. Okay, thank you for explaining that. And yeah, I guess it's also important to understand that in order to have an organic product, you have to sacrifice other comforts, like just putting it in the washer, like anything else. But yeah. Okay, thank you so much. And yeah, I think we will come to an end now because um, you already told us so many amazing stories about Dilling. But yeah. where, sh where can our listeners go if they wanted to find out more? Yeah, they can... Um They can go to our website. I think that's the place where we're most present. And uh, yeah, our website. And if they want to know more, of course, they can follow us on Facebook. And we don't have yet an English uh, Facebook page. We'll uh, we'll get that hopefully within a year. But we have Instagram, Dealing Underwear, is in English. And uh, and what else in our website? We have the most information. And also, if they subscribe our newsletter, that would be good. We try to not send out too many newsletters because I don't like that myself only getting 
uh, offers every second day. We try to send out a newsletter when we have something to say. And, and we try to make some interesting stories. That could be a trip to Argentina, how, how our sheep are doing there. Um, it could be about the thing that I told about what is the, what is the positive thing about uh, Superwash and what is the bad thing about Superwash. We try to um, uh, not educate, but we try to share a little bit about the, the knowledge we have about uh, wool production. So website and subscribe for newsletter, that probably will be um, the best place. Perfect. Okay. And I will make sure to link to the websites. And yeah, thank you so much, Morten, for your time today and for sharing so much about your company and your passion of serving the customer. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, uh, for letting me uh, be part of this show. Thank you very much. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hopefully you enjoyed my discussion with Morten Dilling. I just wanted to point out one little thing. Morten mentions that he will have a website in English based in the UK in the next year, which will is actually 2018 because I did the interview in late 2017. So once his English website is available, I will also make sure to link to the website in the show notes. You can find all the show notes and more information about Morten at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 066. Head on over to elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 066. If you are traveling in the next couple of weeks, make sure to download a few Wool Academy podcast episodes onto your smartphone. You can download this podcast from iTunes as well as from Stitcher. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.